All right, this is ATN Spence with two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. Here we are coming at you on March, what is March 12th, 2021. March Selection Sunday is right around the corner. In fact, it's two days away. It is beautiful here in, in Portland. How are you doing today, AP? Doing good. I mean, it's yeah, it's sunny. It's a Friday. March Madness is coming up. Daylight Savings is coming up as well. That's right. Spring. What are you, spring back or spring forward? You spring forward. And so basically when it's 6.30 at night, it's going to really be 7.30. And it'll appear, appear still a little bit light. Love it. So we're going to get home and it's still light a little bit. And you can maybe get that grill going, that Traeger or something. <laughs> not a sponsor. Yeah, yeah, not a sponsor. You know, we got our <laughs> girls uh, playing in, their, in the backyard a little bit. You know, so I'm, I'm feeling summer vibes a little bit. Yeah, it's feeling good, but but I'll tell you what's what's in, what's making me really excited is that we got March Madness next week. Uh, as the listeners who followed our show know, March Madness is my favorite time of the year for sports. And, and it used to be March Sadness as of last, last year. Last year was March Sadness, but this year is going to be March Madness because it has to be, right, AP? You've said that. Yeah, it has to be. It has to go, and fans are going to be there as well. And the COVID numbers nationally, Spence, are going down. That's right. But – We've already had some issues this week. You know, as you know, conference tournaments are happening. And just today, two teams, Duke had to drop out, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before of their tournament, because of one positive test within their group. Not one of the players, but one of their groups. Then today, Virginia and Kansas had one positive, one positive uh, test with one of their players, one of which – uh, played one of which didn't play, and so therefore Virginia and Kansas they're out of their conference tournaments, right? And and now the question is, are they going to be eligible for the NCA tournament in a week? Because the NCA put out a rule saying you have to have seven negative tests in a row in order to play in March Madness. Yeah, that's going to be a stretch. I mean, is it possible that they would leave out Kansas, Virginia from the NCA tournament? I, you know, I mean, they may have to, right, according to their rules, according to contract race, tracing and all of that stuff. And so Virginia is now hustling back and saying, okay, let's quarantine this kid, right, that, that had the positive test. Let's put everything, everybody else separate. Let's test them today. Seven negative tests. Therefore, they'd be eligible to place round one on sa on Saturday next week. But it just adds a layer of stress and complexity. How would you like it if you were like an ops person working for BYU basketball you're you're getting the Gatorade. You're putting some cones around for some drills. Yeah, and you test positive. Oh my god! Nobody I, else on the team does. Would, You've wrecked BYU basketball. I would I would feel awful because I think BYU is going to do some damage this right. year. Right, and they're saying well, we can't do it because of this idiot. That's not good, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, but but the the, the and so yeah, but, but what's going to happen if if Virginia or Kansas can't play in the tournament, but they get seated in the tournament, and then have to pull out. Right. So then one of the other teams that was in their first four out would fill their role. So you could have a team like Colorado State or Utah State or some Richmond or Drake or one of those teams that's going to be just barely in or just barely out that fills one of these roles. And they're now all of a sudden they should be a 12 or 13 seed, but instead they're playing now as a four seed. Yeah, I bet you we have at least three of those four teams. The first one's out playing. It's just going to happen. At least. At We're going to, yeah. So, not more. Yeah, you're going to have, it's going to be messy. 
Now, I hope that this doesn't happen and we have some big outbreak when we're in Indianapolis, oh, right? Where we got just a mess, teams are falling out, and you know, BYU wins the national championship because no other teams are available. Sure. You would still take it. I would take it in a heartbeat, <laughs> absolutely. But, like, yeah, let's say BYU's first-round game against two uh, Rutgers gets canceled because Rutgers has a positive uh, test, and then their second-round game – you know, against Iowa gets canceled because Luke Garza has the as the COVID. And all of a sudden, they're in the Sweet 16. They haven't played a game. But you would, you would have that Sweet 16 sweatshirt on. You would. I would buy it in a heartbeat. Oh, I wouldn't man. think twice about it for no, sure. Yeah. But no, I mean, you want to, as, as athletes, you want to prove it on the field or on right. the court, right? Because people so, are going to put an asterisk by it and totally. take, you know. So this is going to be a weird year, and it's going to be one that's going to be changing every day. And, and the hope is, the hope <laughs> – is, is that these schools that are getting into the NCAA tournament are able to quarantine, are able to stay away. You know, there have been teams like, I know BYU, for example, we haven't had any COVID issues all year. You know, Gonzaga had an outbreak at the beginning of the year and then hasn't had any issues. Baylor had just, you just got back from an outbreak. So you, you, you hope that a lot of these teams are either already through their break or have figured it out. But I don't know. It's, it's just going to be crazy town, I think. Yeah, it's going to, you know, I can't wait, but we'll see. But it's a little bit of luck this year, right? There's always luck to win a championship. And this year is going to have just a little extra hint of that, a little little, uh, little Dr. Fauci on the side to it. But that's okay. That's you know, okay. we're going to get through it. I'm glad it's going. There's going to be some fans. It's going to be exciting. Conference tournaments are going on right now. That's right. That's USC right. just had a battle of their life. Utah has their number. I'm not sure what it is that Utah beat USC pretty handily a couple weeks ago. Took USC to double overtime last night, but USC held on with the skin of their teeth. But, you know, USC can beat Stanford by 75 points, you know. and But who knows? You know, it's just – it's matchups, right? That, and, but it's Matt. That's March. You know, yeah. I mean, there have been, there've been huge upsets. Beavers. There. The Beavers are in the semifinals of the Pac-12. They're bouncing the Bruins. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Anyways, that but that's March Madness. That's what makes this time of year BYU so much fun. almost beat Gonzaga. That's right. Yeah, we were, we were tight with them down. We were up by nine with about, uh, you know, about nine minutes to go. And then Gonzaga's just so good. So watch Gonzaga get bounced like second round. Uh, you, you never know. You never know, man. That's you the never great know. thing. They could they could play a <laughs> super hot, you know, uh, North Carolina team that's a nine seed because they have had kind of an up and down season. And North all of a sudden, North Car- Gonzaga looks like, oh, geez, we're playing this super great team, and they get beat. You never know. You never know. Yeah. So everybody has a chance to win a championship. It's the best postseason in all of sports. College football has one of the worst postseasons That's in right. all of sports. And so I'm glad it's happening. And, uh, you know, who do you have winning it at all, Spence? Yeah, Gonzaga is going to be my pick. I, I, they're the best team I've seen play. They have the least amount of flaws. And um, I, I just think they're really good. The other team that looks really good is Michigan. I think Michigan, Gonzaga could be two teams to keep an eye on. Yeah, I like that. It's hard to – I mean, Gonzaga, it's hard to root against somebody or, or pick against somebody that hasn't lost a game. Right. So we'll see. I, I'm curious to see what happens with USC. You know, they're, they're really hit or miss when they're on they're dynamite, but when they're off and they're way off, you know, so it's, it's, what's going to end up happening is I think they're going to get caught at some point. Yeah. They might go, you know, to the sweet 16, maybe, yeah. maybe they even get to the lead eight somehow, but, but they're going to get caught. They're going to have that bad game and it's going to happen, but I think they're going to make a run just like BYU. I think BYU is going to win a game or two in the, t- the tournament as yeah. well. I would hope so. I hope so. I would be really excited, but it's all about matchups. Yeah. It's all about matchups. You know, you, you you get a team and you get a game and you never know. Yeah. So uh, one of those teams that we were talking about earlier that had a COVID breakout is, is Kansas. Now, Kansas has had a year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they've had a 2020. Let me tell you. So and now so, 2021. And now 2021. 20, I mean, Kansas basketball has been under 
investigation by the FBI. They've had all kinds of problems, you know, then they had the Snoop Dogg incident where he came and had like strippers on the floor and they got, that was a really bad look where they were under investigation by the FBI. Right. And now, now less miles and football's happening. And then they've terminated less miles and, yeah. and now the AD's out. Right. I mean, it's a complete meltdown at Kansas from basketball to football, to COVID, What's going on at Kansas, Spencer? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But one thing we know, I mean, so we don't know a ton about what happened with Les Miles, right? We just know that while he was at LSU, he was a bit of a creeper. He kind of hired, uh, you know, some blonde, voluptuous women to fill student manager roles, which he then would flirt with and tried to propose, supposedly. Now, who knows what actually happened? We don't know. How, we don't have a lot of those deals. Uh, a lot of those details, but we know he was a bit of a creep there. And then he comes to Kansas, and it sounds like at Kansas, they they supposedly vetted him, didn't see any of these issues, and then when they find out about these issues, they let him go, right? Uh, and so, so now, you know, I don't know. Do you think Les Miles ever coaches again after he's let go at Kansas? I don't think so. I think a couple of things going against him. Something like this is going to be really bad because another school that hires him. In this culture today, can you imagine trying to say, they're going to say, no, this is not our coach. And what is he in his early to mid-60s? It's not like he's 39 years old. That's right. You know, Sark was able to overcome getting terminated for um, supposed alleged um, drinking, you know, uh, and having drinking problems and having some different things going. And and uh, not just that, but uh, now he's back in Texas, right? And so you can have a redemption of sorts, but that was alcohol. And it was private to him a little bit. This is a little different, and the culture doesn't make sense with it, and his age, and I don't see Les Miles coaching him. But I think Kansas really has to look themselves in the face and say, our basketball's messed up. Our football's messed up. Our COVID protocol's messed up. We need to get some more administration here. We need to get some more compliance here. we got to get things going in the right direction in Kansas. That's right, and I, I would agree with that for sure. And, you know, we still don't know the full extent of what's going on with their allegations, Kansas allegations. Uh, as far as their basketball program, I and mean, we know they're they're potentially going to have some five to six level one violations. Bill Self is going to be in deep trouble. So we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what what kind of response uh, Kansas football does, who they hire, um, who, who you know, what happens with the NCA's investigation of the Kansas Adidas scandals. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like. They've, they've got to turn things around or they're going to be in deep trouble. Yeah, for years, you know, and I think they restructure their compliance office, their administration, and kind of starts from the head up their athletic director, right? He's out. That's right. You know, when that happens, things are really messy. When football and the athletic director go, the whole thing's a mess. Kansas basketball, they got to lawyer up. They got to do some internal audits. They got to get their compliance right, their administration right, and redo things and get things going. And they will, but they could hurt for eight to 10 years from this. If you're a Kansas fan listening in, they're not doing some things that are right. You know, they're making poor choices about bringing Snoop Dogg with strippers onto your court mid game. You know, that's just not a smart move. That's like, not, yeah. especially when your basketball's under investigation by the FBI. Yeah, kind of thumbing your nose at the at the, right. at the NCAA. Yeah. So just it's just poor choices, bad looks. You hired Les Miles, right? And you took a chance on him, and he turns out to be a creeper, like you said. And so they just made some poor choices. They need to kind of figure things out at Kansas. And um, and get it going, but yeah, kind of messy, you know. Any other headlines out there right now, Spence? Not that I know of. Uh, not not that I know of. I know um, uh, 
there's a lot. I mean, there's just a ton of focus right now on March Madness. Anything yeah. you're aware of? Well, you know, I, I was reading. And I don't know a whole lot about it, but it looks like that transgender issue in the NCAA. Right. There's some news going on there. And I think there's like 540 or 545 student athletes sort of petitioned the NCAA Mark Emmert uh, talking about uh, transgender issues in the NCAA, um, you know, and that sort of thing. So I think that's going to be a focus point, at, uh, one of, of several that are going forward. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Right, right. Well, yeah, there's just a lot of, I mean, right now there's a, there's a big push for a lot of these social uh, justice issues that are, that are being pushed right now in society for good, for good reason, that, that they're trying to make bigger points. And so we'll see. We'll see how the NCA responds to a lot of these issues. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I think I, you had mentioned that from that transgender thing, they're trying to ask for states that don't allow transgender athletes to compete they're trying to make it so that the NCAA will not hold championship games there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not just a petition, you know. It goes, it has a little more teeth to that. Like, yeah, let, let's let's cancel. That's usually how it works, right? They get the NCAA maybe to cancel a championship in that state if that state's not supporting. Well, yeah, the All Star Game in North Carolina got canceled yeah. a couple of years ago because they weren't they didn't have gender neutral bathrooms, right? I mean, yeah. that was the main push. Yeah, and so the All Star Game in North Carolina, which was a big potential boon for that for Charlotte was canceled and then moved to another location because of a social justice issue. Yep. That's right. And so, yeah, this is another uh, movement that'll be interesting to see. And uh, you know, the NC is going to have to grapple with it. Right. And it's coming. So, you know, that's the headlines. Maybe we'll revisit some of those issues down the road. Yeah. Um, probably a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. We'll dig into it. Probably not right for today's show. We have a lot going on. We had, uh, you know, we got into the Kansas stuff, March Madness. You know, we've got some things talking about, but, but I wanted to put that out there. That's out there. That's breaking news. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on it for everybody. And let's, let's, uh, let's go to the phones. How about that? Let's do it. All right, it's AP and Spence, two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. And Spencer, we have uh, a special guest today. We've got another caller today. Who do we have? Today we have on the phone, we're really excited to welcome Dr. Chris Croft, who's currently a, an assistant professor of sports management and sports marketing in the College of Business and Economic Development at Southern Miss, at University of Southern Mississippi. And of course, AP, I know you know their mascot. I know it's going to be a color and an animal. That's right. Generally speaking, uh, certain schools have colors and animals, That's but right. I have no idea. It's got to be like red dragons, they're, but it's a color and animal, right? You're right. That's correct. They're the golden eagles. Right? Oh, okay. Isn't, isn't that right, uh, Chris? That is correct. We're golden eagles and we're black and gold. That's right. So uh, Chris has an uh, incredible like, uh, lot of experience in intercollegiate sports. Uh, he's been an administrator, a, a head basketball coach, an assistant basketball coach, He's uh, been an assistant professor. He's worked on pretty much all levels of the NCAA, NJCAA, NAIA, NCAA Division One, Division Two levels. He's worked with the Pac-12, the or the Big Twelve, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten conferences. And so we, so thank you very much, uh, uh, Chris. We appreciate you coming on the show today. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, guys, Spencer and Aaron, both for having me on, and I look forward to visiting with you. Sure. Absolutely. So. Uh, Chris, one of the first things that we always like to do when we have guests on for the first time is we really like to hear, um, you know, like we kind of chatted before you got on uh, our podcast here, we like to hear the background of kind of how, you know, individuals get involved in the in the wonderful world of college sports. So so if you wouldn't mind just kind of running us through your background and what, what got you into uh, college sports. 
Yeah, for sure. No, like a lot of lot of lot like a lot of people, I played basketball growing up. My dad was a, a pretty good high school player, and I played. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go on and play in college, and my NBA dreams were over. And uh, I got in early as a student assistant coach, and uh, later at, at a junior college, and later as a student manager at actually Southern Miss, where I'm at now, my alma mater with Coach M.K. Kirk, and uh, got involved that way. Knew I wanted to coach, and just kind of came in and started working my way up, went from a student manager uh, to a graduate assistant. Then I was uh, very, very fortunate. I got a great break and uh, called on with the coach Eddie Sutton at Oklahoma State as administrative assistant in a, in a non-coaching role and uh, worked with some great guys there. And then you just, you start working with people, meet people. They learn kind of what your assets are. And obviously it never hurts to win a lot of games early and uh, you make some connections. So I just uh, got going there. Had several stops from Washington State, Maryland Eastern Shore, Utah, Nebraska. And uh, uh, as, as we all know, this time of year, March Madness is very exciting uh, if you're winning. If you're not, unfortunately, there's a lot of job changes that are coming up that's probably going to happen too. So you, you kind of you get in where you can, and uh, you got to get players. you got to coach them up. you got to win games, and good things happen. If not, you kind of have to scramble uh, sometimes to go somewhere else to do it. So that's – that's kind of how I got in, uh, got in the business. And you're, and you're currently uh, an assistant professor at University of Southern Miss. So, you know, what are you, uh, you're, you're doing a sports marketing and, and sports management. Can you kind of describe for us what you're uh, focused on? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I got lucky down through that. I worked with Coach Doc Seller at UTEP in Nebraska. He actually came to Southern Miss and I came on here. I was coaching again was with him and we inherited some NCAA probation stuff when we dealt with and they had a position open up and uh, they asked me to come over and talk with them. And obviously I got my undergrad and grad in the program. And I just thought it would be kind of, you know, this time in my lifetime, kind of a career change, all the moves and everything that had been a, and obviously very stressful. So uh, I took the assistant professor position. We we're, we're in the college of business and economic development, uh, sport man, but we got one of the probably top 15, top 20 sport management programs in the nation. Uh, undergrad and grad, and then we were actually in the School of Marketing just a couple of years ago, so we're kind of under that umbrella. So I do a lot of research back from my uh, practitioner days in intercollegiate athletics, coaching, obviously stuff in sport marketing now since we're under that umbrella, and also do some stuff in sport security. We have a unique uh, situation with the National NCS4, the National Center for Spectator uh, Safety uh, for, for Fans is actually on our campus, so I do a lot of stuff in that area as well. You know, you peaked my, this is Aaron, by the way, Chris, uh, thanks so much for being on the show and you got a really varied background. It's, it's really, really good. I can tell that you're a people person. You probably know a lot of, a lot of people in the business, which is awesome. Cause I think that's one of the first things to try to be successful in sports is to know people, be good with people and, and that sort of thing. Now you interested me there. Uh, well, everything you said was interesting, but, but there's something that piqued my interest specifically where you mentioned the security, uh, of the crowd. Uh, and because I've wondered that for a long time, I, I worked at USC and that and uh, at Oregon State, and there were several times post game or in game or pre game where an unruly fan or unruly situations would happen, and there wasn't really necessarily a great plan in place. Is, is that the kind of stuff you're talking about? It is. It is. You know, obviously, unfortunately, after nine eleven, it changed the world that we live in, and. Uh, Obviously, that's when NCS4 was uh, was uh, started with grant work. Uh, 
uh, has received a lot of funding funding from the Department of Homeland Security as well as FEMA and some other organizations. And, and what that what that uh, organization does, they're on our campus, they're a private organization. We have them tied into our grad school and teach a couple of sports security classes. But basically what they do is they go out and, and train the organizations and the sport facility and event managers on the latest and greatest uh, techniques that that could be considered to employ in their situation, and, and and obviously every situation is different. You know, if you're, you know, watching the Seattle Seahawks play a game versus Oregon State basketball, where you're maybe at University of Idaho for a track meet, every situation is different on the layout of the crowd and how many people. But those those are often referred to as soft targets because. As we know, a lot of places that maybe aren't a football or basketball game have less security measures, just a lot wax. And uh, if, if someone was trying to do something harmful, uh, there's there's a lot of ways they could get access. And even though it may not be a large number of people at the game, you could have some very, very detrimental things happen. And obviously, obviously casualties and people hurting other things of that nature. So re- really focus on trying to show people some of the best practices to use um, you know, after the, unfortunately, the, the, the situation at the Boston Marathon, even marathons were added to that, which is a whole nother animal because you don't have an enclosed, uh, space like you would at a, a football stadium at Oregon State or a basketball arena at Portland State. And so it's, it's something where it's, uh, you figure it out, but obviously bad guys figure out things and we see all the things on the different news and, and stuff. We've seen where people are trying to break barriers and get through things with cars and, those are things you need to have in place for uh, for facilities and games as well. Yeah, it's so important. You know, Spencer's a BYU guy. Yeah. And, and and I'm a USC football guy. I went to USC, he went to BYU. And we went and watched USC play BYU a couple of years back. And BYU – I can't remember who won that game. Maybe. Well, I don't, yeah, I, I think BYU found a way to win. That's right, yeah. That's um, right. You know, in overtime, and their fans rushed the field. But did yep. so in kind of a playful, fun manner. There was kids on the field, and it had a vibe of we're excited and this is fun. When I was at USC and, and we played at Washington State, and Washington State upset us in a big game. We were ranked pretty high, and they upset us in a close one. The fans rushed the field, and I was on the field at the time trying to run off the field to get to our team bus. And it was a really controlled, highly secure environment until that happened. And all of a sudden, there was a, a rush of about – Five or 10,000 people pouring over the edges and security kind of stepped out of the way. And we had one of our players that got kind of approached by a fan that kind of got in his face and was trash talking a little bit. And he gave him a pretty good forearm shiver because our player, you know, was 6'4", 300, you know, and, and this kid was, you know, 5'8", and 110 pounds, you know. And so he fell over and it ended up on tape and it became sort of a criminal matter that kind of got resolved later. Um, any, any thoughts you have off the top of your head? I'm just curious. I've always wondered that with, with crowd rush situations in football games, anything that you might advise or you've heard about that might be successful to stop that a little bit? Well, it's interesting you say that, uh, when I was at university of Nebraska, we were coaching and, uh, one of our first games that we were playing in Creighton, actually Dana Altman, who's out here uh, backwoods there at Oregon had a really, really good team. And we were first year and, uh, we were, we were up late in the game with about four or five minutes to go. And we're, we're one of the, uh, the assistant AD for facilities came over and tapped me on the shoulder. I was the rest of operations. He just said, Hey, I know you don't really have time to talk right now, but if you guys hold on and win, uh, just make sure, just make sure we're, we're going to surround the court 
we're going to let all the fans rush. We can't stop them. We'll just try to get your players out of the center of the middle. And so every place has different things. But it, as you know, if you're trying to stop a force of, you know, they're predominantly students at a football or men's basketball game. It's so many of them, you can't. So the, the way Nebraska did that, they had their security in the, the yellow jackets, whatever. They let the students go. They didn't stop them, but they basically formed a square, a square around them inside of the court. And we try to get all the players and coaches of both teams out of that inner square to that outside surface area. Now, we could have students passing you, but they're in such a hurry to go to the center deal you try to get all the players from both teams outside that middle. So that was kind of a, I guess, a maybe almost like a control, a control burning in a fire. Let's, let's get them in one place and keep them there. I think that's smart, though. I mean, I think it's about the best you can do, at least right now. That, that's smart. At least there was a plan in place. It wasn't just let's just see what happens. You know? So <laughs> I think sometimes having a plan is, is the, the best you can do to start off, Spence. I don't know. That's well, right. I, I think another thing on that, you have to educate the fans and have some, have some announcements. Head of, head of the game and on the video board, you have to educate them. Obviously, SEC has probably been as more, pro, more proactive than anybody where they're going to levy fines. And so uh, institutions are going to get dinged with fines. So you have a lot of people trying to stop it. But you and I both know, I mean, you know, you, you know, let's say, you know, Oregon's had a really good football team. You, you try to stop 5,000 students from going on the field, you're going to have a problem. Yeah, it just is because they start pouring over, they're jumping over, and they're coming in streams. You're going to get trampled. So at that point, you need to kind of just let it happen and and deal with it. And even if the announcers are saying, "Don't rush the field, stay off the field," it's happening. You know, so you got you got you kind of have to funnel them where you want to keep them in that area. And one thing people obviously always a lot of times forget is there's there's a lot of times there's been alcohol involved for several hours. So again, uh, you kind of stop someone from going through there is going to create maybe some other situations too. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is you just got to have a plan in place. But there are some times where you just can't, you know, and, and, and but uh, the, the focus should be to protect the student athletes, protect the coaches, especially the student athletes and coaches from the other teams, right? No doubt. I think that's, and of course, we had a couple situations. I think that's the thing that could happen and be a spark where if, if, uh, if another uh, student who maybe had been drinking or intoxicated goes up to a, another player and says something, maybe they shouldn't say or pushes them, whatever. And that opposing player uh, response with the physical contact, that's when you have some serious situations going on. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly basically what we had at Washington State. Our players were sprinting off the field, but nobody was contained. And they had a, you know, a few people that you could tell had been tailgating. And it's a night game. And they uh, probably have no business still being standing standing up, you know. And, <laughs> and they're getting in front of our players saying something. And it's an emotional situation. It is. It is. You just lost a tough game. You're trying to run off. You got somebody kind of trash talking your face, and it's easy to kind of, you know, use your arm and kind of get that person out of the way. And you're so strong, they can f- fall to the ground. It's on camera, you know. Somebody catches it on the cell phone, and and now you have a situation, you know. And and it's funny, you didn't have a situation, you didn't want one, and then it turned into one, and so that can happen. Well, even think about the, even think about the Notre Dame situation this past year. I think it was against Clemson. Obviously, Lawrence was out in the game, but Notre Dame, give them credit, won the game, and. They had a lot of students there, and they rushed the field, obviously, during a pandemic. So, obviously, we know people were going crazy on Twitter with that happening, but it's, it's very hard to stop them once it starts. Yeah. Well, shifting gears a little bit, uh, Chris, I, I, you know, in your, in your uh, professorship as far as teaching sports marketing and sports management, there's been, some, there's been a lot of talk recently about these new name, image, and likeness or NIL rules. 
And, and as, as I was talking with Aaron about, you, you know, chatting with you, that was one thing that we really wanted to get your thoughts on. Because Aaron and I have some thoughts about, you know, how do, how do we get these student athletes, the ability, how do we get them the ability to make money off their name, likeness, and image, which I feel like everybody would be in favor for. But at the same time, how do you regulate it? How do you keep an eye on it? How do you monetize it or monetize it? You know, so I, do you, I guess first thing is, you know, what are your thoughts about the new NIL rules and the change in, in allowing these kids to start making some money off their name, likeness, and image? Well, obviously, it's a huge uh, it's a huge question, and uh, as you know, the NCAA has kind of been kicking the can down the road to delay some things. And uh, it's uh, you know, with the power of social media and student athlete welfare and everything, there's been a lot of pressure from the NCAA, and it's, it's going to happen. And I, and I do think it I do think personally it should happen. I think the uh, the players, the student athletes, do deserve a piece of the pie of that. Uh, there is a lot of money involving college athletics when we see the television contract contracts from broadcasting and the coaching contracts, and you have a lot of power fives making a lot of money. Um, I think it should happen, but I think you have to go very, very slow and careful to make sure you have everything set before you start because you're going to have a lot of issues that pop up, and if you're not ready for them, it's going to cause some friction uh, in, in several different ways. And uh, that's where I think that uh, NCA probably needs to be a little more transparent and say, hey, we want to get to it. We want to make it happen. It's, it's, it should be their right. It should be fair. But we got to work out the logistics before you put it in place. Uh, because as we know, once you put a rule in place, you're not going to be able to go back and undo that rule. Yeah, yeah well, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, my biggest fears all, all along has been from a compliance perspective, my fear is this. My fear is they're going to have boosters and some unscrupulous people try to find ways to gimmick this a little bit. You know, you might have some boosters go, great, you know, I'm going to create some kind of false um, opportunities that are, that are, you know, for them to use their name, image, and likeness is really a way for me to just funnel money into their pocket, you know, or, no question. you know what I mean? Or, or you have this recruiting kind of angle to it. And, and you got, you know, coaches that are reaching out to business owners and boosters saying, Hey, if you can do this or start that business, we can get this kid. And, and it's going to, you know, I, cause I don't want it to see it go down the road of, for nefarious purposes. I think the point is, so these kids deserve a piece of the pie. They're the ones that, you know, are doing the, the work and they're, they're the ones that are on TV and everybody's checking them out. So it makes sense, but I'm not sure that, you know, I, I'm nervous about how they're going to put parameters in place to prevent that. And obviously there's things that they can do, but I, what I, my fear is they're going to kind of push it on a compliance office and an officer and say, it's up to you guys and you as a school to kind of monitor this and figure it out, make sure it's legitimate. And, and I think right. that's going to be a challenge. So that's just been the one thing I've been worried about and I have been chewing on and haven't been able to wrap my mind around a, a good solution to that. But, but uh, otherwise I'm fully on board with it, but you could probably kind of see how that could potentially be an issue. I, I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right, and you, we know how competitive things are, and people have to win. I think three three real issues that come to mind. I think first is the student athlete issue. I think no one understands how much it's going to create friction among student athletes, and so let let's let's let us take a team and look for an example. So we know the quarterback's probably going to get the commercial and get a situation. Uh, Spencer, Aaron, and, and myself, if we're on the offensive line, we're probably not. And so now you're going to create a situation where all those guys are on full scholarship, they're getting tuition, run board, and books. 
But now when they go to the restaurant, they go to the club or they go hang out, when the quarterback pulls out a wad of money that he has and we don't have that, you're going to create some friction with a, within a team. And, and we all know how money does cause problems. It causes, it causes problems in politics and church and, and, and families and everything. Money, money can start an argument pretty quick. So I think you have that situation. Um, another thing is you're going to see friction between teams. So say football players are, are getting a lot of deals for NLILs and some of the non-revenue sports or maybe female sports or not. Remember, those student athletes are still hanging out. They're in the weight room. They're in the training table. Uh, they're in class together. They're hanging out at parties. You're going to create some friction there. Um, the, the second thing I think is with athletic departments. Um, you know, let's, let's use Southern Miss for an example. We have what we call the Eagle Club. Say, say there's a fundraising part of athletics, but let, let's say a, a car dealership in town is giving Southern Miss Athletics Eagle Club $100,000 a year. When and if NLI goes into place, he may give 50000 to football, so he's only giving fifty more to the athletic department. So the athletic department just lost $50,000 that they were counting on each year. And so you're putting some more pressure on athletic departments to fundraise because we all know if you support a certain team and, and you want them to win, you're going to try to help them be successful. And, and the third part that you touched on is the situation with compliance and fans. Uh, obviously, I'm down here in the SEC country, but you're going to see SEC football teams have operation staff. I know there are some people already hiring people with, with sport law degrees uh, where, where they can help finagle things and do contracts, but you better believe that's going to be used in recruiting for somebody to come on board and tell you, here's what we can get you for commercials or advertising. Here's how much money you're going to make. Yeah, it, it's it's just the whole thing's going to be really challenging. Do you see that there could be a potential for a Title IX issue if, if it turns out to where uh, football and men's basketball are, are getting pretty much all the deals uh, – you know, and maybe the schools are setting them up with the best access to these, or or not? Do you think it's hey, it's not the school doing it; it's just a free market? I think that's a great question. I think it could be. I think the schools were getting ready to play behind the card. They didn't set that up. That was set up by demand, because obviously, if you're a, if you're a public institution and receiving federal money, you have to mandate those Title IX requirements. Which there's three or four ways you can do that. So that's going to be some issues. I mean, I think you're going to see some. Uh, you're going to see some gender issues where female athletes don't have the same opportunities as males. Uh, you could have some, some race issues where there may be uh, more of one race getting opportunities than another, and the other ones get, gets upset some. So you're going to have some different things that can come up like that. And I mean, you just, I mean, let's take it back to women's basketball. If you were able to go to UConn and play, you're probably going to get a pretty good deal. But let's say not knocking them, but say if you go to a, a lesser name in the SEC because it's close to home and you could start and play, you may not get that same situation. Yeah. And so it's going to be a factor in recruiting for student athletes. Yeah, I know USC football is already, and, and we talked to Arizona State as well, uh, and they're both sort of ramping up their departments. They're creating departments to kind of work on marketing opportunities for kids. They're already getting that in place right now because they see it as like a recruiting tool, right? Like, Hey, we're going to get your brand going. We're going to get your followers up. We're going to help you with this yep. and help you with that. And, and that's obviously huge, right? Uh, a, a marketing footprint. Uh, I guess, you know, to take a step back, I mean, what, what, in your opinion, how do you define what is sports marketing? So, you know, I'm just curious, what is like, how would you define sports marketing? 
Sport marketing is just going to be back with the organization trying to market their program to be successful and, and, and generate revenue and support. And so like uh, mm-hmm. Southern Miss football, obviously great tradition, Ray Guy, former player NFL Hall of Fame, Brett Barr, Southern Miss athletics and football has had a well-known tradition. And so you're going to, you want to market that brand and recruiting to get the best players, but more importantly, the business side on our athletic campus, we got to try to get as many season ticket holders as we can, then go get single season sales up, uh, doing all your sponsorship and advertising at the game. We use Learfield IMG and you're trying to put together a great product. You got to have your concessions. Uh, we started selling alcohol two years ago. You got your licensing and merchandise at the game and, you're trying to make it a family atmosphere. Tailgating is huge on our campus all day. And, and you're trying to make it when we have those six home games that people are coming out, packing the stadium where you can make the most money possible. And then better yet, when they leave, they're going to tell somebody. So maybe you and you and Spencer are coming back next time to the game yourself. Yeah, it makes sense. So, it's, you know, it's branding. It's trying to create revenue uh, and opportunities. It's, it's getting the word out. It's um a lot of so it's, it's pretty varied but it's it's a it really a business purpose too and i think a lot of those those kids are going to try to use that same kind of perspective right to get their brand going so not only when they're a collegiate athlete but maybe when they're a pro they have some brand juju smith schuster did a good job of that i knew him a little bit when i was at usc and i was in compliance with football at the time and he and we were really careful with you know what he could and couldn't do but he had a pretty big social media following and that was important right. to him. And he would do a lot of dancing on the field. And then he, um, you know, did different videos for fun and that sort of thing. And he sort of carried that on his brand of doing that into the NFL and dancing on logos and different things. And he's got, sure. you know, a ton of fans. And so he was sort of a, a kind of a, in the front of that a little bit because that was, you know, four or five years ago. And uh, but are you seeing new ways that kids are trying to market themselves? Well, obviously, social media. Social media was a game changer for everyone. And, you know, you think back to when we were all growing up or whatever communication, you couldn't get to people. And now, you know, we, we obviously we talked before we came on air. We got connected through a mutual friend on Twitter. Now you can follow people on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can reach out, direct message, or send them a message and have contact with them. So that's a great way to get exposure, to get your name out there, your team, your brand, to sell your story, so to speak. Uh, it also can bring some negative stuff too, because uh, you know when you play bad, fans can get to you as well. But the the I think the athletic departments are trying to be proactive and really teach their student athletes how to use their social media to promote not only themselves but their team and the university. And if you if you do that in a positive light, you can get a lot more reach than you can than the old way of just the newspaper or the or the or the news, the sports section on the TV that night. And so we all know social media is so powerful because the messages are always there. You don't have to see them in real time. I can go through your Twitter lines and look at what you said a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah. Social media has changed everything, Spence. I it mean, really, it really has. And you have to be careful, right? You have to be careful with what you say and what you retweet. And, 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 it's, and you're going to have to have kids, if they're going to try to start monetizing this, that are going to have to be coached on what they yep. can and can't tweet and retweet right like because if you no retweet the wrong thing that you know you could be in deep trouble with the social media mob now you know i mean that's no, no doubt no doubt and we saw that with coaches before when they started using it coaches cut contact about recruits we saw it unfortunately last year with some situations going on 
with the pandemic and some of the unfortunate situations regarding racial injustice, where some people said some things and it may have got portrayed out of context because it's a very short message. And then you have people coming at him on Twitter. I mean, I, I remember a, a few years ago, the Alabama Auburn football game came down the last play of the game and the Alabama kicker missed the field goal. And he, and he's getting death threats on Twitter. He had to have, they had to have a, uh, um, secrets they had to have an undercover police officer with him because he's getting death threats from Twitter. Yeah, it's really changed everything. I mean, it even reaches our highest level of government in the United States. I mean, right. you have, you know, I'm not getting political here at all, but I'm just saying, you know, Trump uses Twitter a lot, right? Sure. And and then and Joe Biden uses Twitter as well. And they use it for different purposes and different reasons. Um, but but so even at the highest levels of, of our society, social media has really changed how we communicate with people, words we put out there, how we brand, how we, you know, and it's, it's sort of overtaken uh, things. But, but it's so, you know, it's so easy to cause a problem. These kids, I mean, I've seen it before. They're 18 or 19. They get their sure. phone in their hand. And it's really quick after a tough loss, like coach should have played sure. more, you know, and then they post yep. it. And then maybe they take it down an hour later, but it's already been screenshot by a thousand people and it's a problem. Yeah. You know, and, and no doubt. And we saw that just last year with the obviously, obviously politics and also obviously you talk about religion. Those are two things that we know you better be very careful talking about and coaches are because you instantly divide your fan base. I know they were asking coach Nick Saban, Alabama, some stuff last year. And he just said, I don't, con I don't comment about politics You know, I have my beliefs, but I'm not trying to portray those with anyone because you know, if, if he says president Trump or president Biden, whatever, we know he just split, he just split his, uh, some of his loyal followers because he didn't agree with maybe them. Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough, you know, and, and, uh, I, you know, but, but it's a big part of sports marketing, right? I mean, social media is, is it's, it's a, it's, it's an angel and a demon at the same time. Spence. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, okay. Well, no uh, doubt. well, Chris, we really appreciate your time today. And as a, as a parting shot here, uh, you know, we know it's, we, we know it's early, but obviously this March madness is, uh, is kind of my favorite time of the year. I, I suspect it's one of your favorite time of the years. Uh, so who do you like to win it all this year from all the basketball you've well, watched? Well, that's a loaded question. Obviously, <laughs> I spent some time I spent some time out at Washington State around you guys. So obviously, I think Gonzaga is the, one of the top teams in the country this year. Uh, obviously, Baylor is playing well, and maybe Michigan, Illinois. But you guys, you, you know, we just saw it today with some of the games being canceled. It's going to be all about matchups, and it's all going to be about COVID protocol. I mean, you have. You have Georgia Tech played in the ACC championship game tomorrow, and they didn't have to play today. And so whoever they play, they have an advantage on. So it's going to be one of the craziest years ever trying to figure out a fill a bracket out. And as we've seen, you're going to see some teams advance that don't play a game. Hopefully that doesn't happen to get to the Final Four, but it's going to be crazy. Yeah, how would it be? what would it be like if Gonzaga, you know, day before their game against 16-seed Norfolk State, uh, has to pull out because of uh, COVID and Norfolk State now moves on. You know, I mean, it would just be, it would just be. And it could happen. Yeah, totally, it, totally, totally. It could happen, and 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 not creating another can of worms. So let's go back to connect that back to sports betting in Vegas. Think about all that money on the games and in the books, and then games are not played. How does that? It, I guess it's a, it's a did not play, so it's off the books. But how's all that money staying hands too? Yeah. Well, thanks again, Chris. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it, and then. Uh, We'll see how March Madness goes. And thank you again for your time today. We hope you have a great day.
Smith, uh, thank you both. Really appreciate the chance to be on and wish you guys all the best. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right. Okay. Bye. Well, that was a spectacular conversation with Dr. Chris Croft. Uh, gosh, that, I mean, uh, you know, it's, I don't, I can't think of a uh, of another interview where we've had so much information being shared so quickly that was so relevant and, and topical, right? I mean, I, I felt like he was what he was saying was directly on point, and a lot. You know, it's nice to hear from someone who has that type of a background, both in coaching, dealing with these student athletes, and in kind of the administrative side as well kind of some of his thoughts about some of the NIL rules and safety rules and those types of things. Yeah. He had a lot of cool things to talk about. Right. And every time I kind of challenged him with like a on the spot, you know, what do you think about, cause I really hadn't prompted him on some of this stuff. You know, what do you think about people rushing the field? And he had a good answer, right? Like, here's what we did in Nebraska, you know, or what do you think about this issue? Well, here's this, or what do you, what do you think about that? And his, I thought his analysis on name, image, and likeness in the three issues was really, really well thought out for sure. You know, it wasn't, he's thinking globally as a university, he's thinking macro level between the student athletes, them going out at the clubs, raising money for the school, compliance perspectives. But that's all part of that point of like under the iceberg, there's so many issues. You just see the top of the iceberg and we got to get student athletes paid. Yeah, right. Which again, everyone agrees with. Yeah, yeah. no one's fighting that. But but this, I think the more intelligent analysis, but let's, let's also understand the issues below the iceberg, below the waterline. And how are we going to grapple with all that? Because that exists. And a lot of times people that want to push this through don't want to get into that or don't know how. Like, I don't know, but we need to get the athletes paid. Yeah, right. Well, somebody has to grapple with those issues. You're going to have a total mess. Um, what do you think about that, Spencer? If you're if you're on the swimming team and, you know, or, or basketball, let's go BYU basketball. Let's say you're a basketball player and you're working your butt off out there at practice. You're diving for the ball. You're doing things. But you're not one of the stars. You know, maybe you're just kind of a role player a little bit. And you got one player in your team that's getting a – $800,000 deal and you're hanging out with him, close friends. He's got a fancy car. He's driving a Tesla. He's got an off campus uh, house that he has flat screen TVs, cash money, you know, the whole thing. And you're kind of going to practice with him every day, working just as hard as he is, but he's just more of a star. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is it just, Hey, good for him. Is it going to be, I need to hit this guy up for money and get loan situations. That's where I thought Dr. Croft was spot on because, you know, he said that's going to create conflicts. It really is. It would, it, it's going to have to, because you're going to, you're going to create conflicts not only within the teams, as he pointed out, but also within the team, right. But also within the other sports mm-hmm. because you're there, you know, I don't know how it is it's set up in USC. I think, if I remember right, I think USC football has its own kind of building, yeah. and the rest of the sports program goes somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. At BYU, all, there is a separate kind of area where you toured when you were there. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for the football team, but the athletes are allowed to use that area too. Yeah. Right? And I think they have to be right. I think athletes are yeah. allowed wherever. Yeah. And um, and so you know, so the access to student, you know, to to, to helpers, to, to yeah. food, all right. that stuff. Is, everyone's has full access. Yeah. So you're, you're going to be around these kids. And a lot of the kids, you know, uh, a lot of the student athletes are taking the, a lot of the same classes. They're together a lot. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's going to create so much, so many problems. Cause again, how are you, and I keep coming back to this, how are you going to make it fair and how are you going to make it equal? Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you do it. Right. Like, I mean, unless you just say, Hey, look, we presented all the same opportunities. It just so happens these people keep going to these people, but it's going to create a problem. Yeah. And, and it's going to create hurt feelings and it's going to create situations where kids are going to kids. I, you know, I, I just think, 
I just think there's going to be kids who aren't going to want to have the college experience and are going to go play pro rather than, you know, try to navigate these rules. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. That's okay. That's a free market. That's allowed. So anyways, it'll be, it'll be fun to, fun to kind of go through and see what happens. Yeah. But it just, we laid out, he laid out a, a great job of really laying out for us just all the issues that are there to consider that people aren't thinking, right? Most people I talk to about this that are a lay fan, We'll say, of course, they, you got to, and they're always thinking football and men's basketball. That's right. And they're thinking the NCAA makes a bunch of money, the schools are making a bunch of money. You got to share some of the money with these kids. Uh, one, I don't know that I necessarily agree with. I don't know that you have to, just because an entity is making a lot of money. Like I've always said, McDonald's is a, like a billion dollar industry. It doesn't mean they have to share the profits with the employees necessarily. Right. Right. We do that all the time in our society where we don't always share profits with people that are still contributing to those profits right uh, you know that's the way it goes but but even if you want to do that if it seems like the fair thing that's fine but you're gonna have to grapple with these issues and um we'll see how it goes but it's gonna college athletics is gonna get rocked and it's gonna be weird over the next three three to five years i agree i agree well okay so uh, you know when when we made our picks last week i gave you four football picks and i thought there's no way he goes four and oh did you know that you went 4-0 last week in the FCS games? Did you know that? How did you do that? You know, I didn't I didn't know. Uh, and I picked up several upsets, right? Spence? That's right. Like, I'm telling you, I, you just it's just when you've worked in college athletics, you just know. You it's just, hard to describe. You just know. You just have that now feeling. My, yeah, but my mind gets clouded with USC because emotion is involved. But when I have no emotion involved, I can look at it rationally. And I'm picking it like a 90% correct rate, right? I know. It's just crazy. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some tough ones here because I I'm, I'm gonna give you are you ready to go again? I'm ready. I'm gonna give you four picks and and we're gonna see how well you do this time. Okay, so we're gonna start out. You know, last week you picked Maine to win. Now this week you got Al Albany. The Great Danes are playing at Maine. Albany is seven and a half point favorites. This is at Maine Saturday nine a.m. Who do you got in that game? Albany. Albany. Okay. Going into Maine and winning the game. They the rarely, favorite. at that level, the row team rarely wins, but I think Albany wins. Okay. All right. The next game we're going to pick is Valparaiso, who used to be the Crusaders, but they took away that nickname. nickname. I don't know if they have that nickname anymore. So uh, at Butler, Butler is a six-point favorite. Butler. Butler Bulldogs. Okay. All right. Now, this is, a, this is a good one. Moorhead State, the Eagles, at the Presbyterian Blue Hose. Did you know that mascot? One of my favorites. Yeah, that's a cool one. I think you might have a t-shirt. I do. Which is unbelievable. Okay, Presbyterian is six and a half point favorites. Who do you got in that game? Uh, the Blue Hose, baby. The Blue Hose. Okay, all right. <laughs> so that's three. Now, the last game we're going to go to Showtime, and we're going to pick Mississippi Valley State, the Delta Devils, at the Jackson State. Oh, man, what are they? I think, what's Jackson State? Uh, so I'll have to look it up. But Jackson State, who do you got in that game? Who's the favorite? Jackson State by 15. Jackson State's going to win. And what is their mascot name? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I, I, I don't know. They're the Tigers. That's right. Jackson State Tigers. Yeah, yeah. You know the Tigers. The Tigers, you because know, that, that team has Deion Sanders oh, as their head coach and a number of former NFL players as their assistant coaches, right? And they, yeah. they've had a ton. They're an HBCU, and they've had a ton of, of – of, High level, even D one, D two athletes coming to their school to play for. Him. Yeah, I think he's going to do a great job there. He's going to collect a lot of talent. I do fear sometimes, you know, Jawan Howard, Michigan, right, right. Like sometimes you get a big name that can make all the difference to stir up a lot of recruits to come in. But it's a recipe down the road 
to have a major compliance violation. So just be careful. You got to make sure that somebody is monitoring the party, right? Because the lights go on, the Traeger gets smoking, music's going, you got the, you got those little twinkly lights up above that you kind of string, you know what I mean? You got the fire pit going and everything's rocking and rolling and problems happen. You have to have somebody that comes in that's like, we got to know what's going on here. You got to get compliance involved and they're going to be okay. All right. All right, you got some picks for me. I do, Spence, but these are going to, I'm telling you, Spence, these are going to be so hard for you. Well, these are, I mean, these are, so these are going to have to be games that are going on either tonight or yeah. that have already been set for tomorrow because this is, we're right in the middle of conference tournament. You ready? Tonight, yeah. 5 30. Okay. Oregon State at Oregon. Yeah, this is a conference. A five tournament. versus a one. Five versus a Pac-12 one. Pac 12 tournament. I think Oregon's like eight and a half point favorites last I saw. Yeah, it could be. Okay. I, so I never my, give you that. I give you the handicap there. Yeah, I don't give you that. I know. I try yeah. to help you yeah. out. But, yeah. Right. I don't um, help you. But I'm going to go with Oregon on this one. I think Oregon I think Oregon is going to be underseeded. Keep an eye on Oregon. Because I think Oregon's going to be underseeded in the NCAA tournament. They're going to win this game. They're going to they're going to play either Colorado or USC in the Pac-12 tournament title tomorrow night. And and I, I keep an eye on Oregon because they're get, they're getting healthy. At the right time, and they've got studs that are playing there. Studs. Keep an eye; they're going to be underseeded. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Oregon's really good. Um, how about we're going to go out to the Southland tournament? Love it. Number six, Lamar. Yeah, Cardinals playing number two, ACU. I'm, I'm guessing that's Alcorn. Alcorn. No, no, it's probably Abilene Christian. Yeah, the Wildcats. Yeah. So I'm going to go purple bird. Yeah, yeah, they look like a purple bird. I'm going to go with the the. Uh, Abilene Christian to win that game. Okay, all right, that's fair. Uh, see if we can get you a good one here. Straight chalk there. How about? Although Lamar beat our our good friend Sam Houston State last oh, that's last true. yesterday. So that's you, true. You never know. To ask you a tough one. Number three Colorado Pac-12 tournament. Yeah. Number two USC. Eight thirty tonight. Yeah. So when I saw this, the la- the line I saw was Colorado was at one and a half point favorites. So I'm gonna pick the upset here. Ooh. And go with USC to win over Colorado, and I'm just saying that because you're my friend. I honestly think that USC they looked really good last night against Utah, even though it was tough. They were scrappy. They looked good and they played good. And I think Colorado, I think Colorado is going to overlook USC towards Oregon, and I think USC is going to win the game. And so you got Oregon and USC in the Pac-12 championship. That's right. Yeah, just like this football. Just like football. And and just like in football, I think Oregon's Oregon going to win. <laughs> Could be. All right. And then uh, last one for you. Big Ten tournament. Number five, Ohio State. Yeah. At number one, Michigan. Yeah, that's that's is that is that for the championship? Tomorrow, no. 10 a.m. That's that's the semifinal. Semifinal. Championship Sunday morning. Uh, Michigan, Michigan's Michigan okay. is Michigan is Michigan is legit. Okay, Michigan's right. legit. Michigan is one of my teams this year. One of the probably five or six teams that I think could win it all. Who do you? How? Where do you think BYU is going to be seated? I think I think logistically we should be. Well, I think we should be a six or a seven seed, but I think we'll probably end up on that eight eight nine line Oof. and have to play Michigan, Illinois. Tough Baylor in the second round if we win, and it, you know that's just a big if because those games are tough. I think I think honestly I think we deserve a six seed. I think our season has been a six seed. I don't think we'll get a six seed. I think we'll end up at that uh, eight nine line. What do you think? So let's say USC wins today, loses to Oregon in the Pac twelve championship like you predict. That puts them at uh, twenty three and six, twenty three and seven, finish second in the conference. 
what what would you put them at? See, that's the problem because Oregon's going to be underseeded, like I said, because yeah. they didn't have a good start of the season. Yeah, they had some bad losses. Yeah, to teams that are not very good. Yeah, uh, and uh, and so therefore, Oregon's net rating is lower than USC's. I think USC is probably going to be a four or five seed if they make it to the Pac-12 tournament cha- championship. I think Oregon is going to be a five or a six seed, mm-hmm. but they're underseeded. Oregon yeah. should be a four or a three, in my opinion. Yeah, but because they had a bad <laughs> beginning of the season. I think Oregon's going to – watch out. Watch out for Oregon. I'm telling you. If they're a sixth seed, watch out for them getting to the Elite Eight because I think they'll be yeah. – they are three they are three line level talent in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, they're really good. They're, now, where would you put – I mean, what happens to Oregon if they lose tonight to the Beavers? Yeah, I still think Oregon's probably going to be on that 5-6 line whether they lose or if they win because okay. they've had some good wins recently. You know, uh, but, uh, but I think – uh, so I think that's my. I think I don't know if even winning the Pac-12 would move their seed line up too much. Gotcha. Maybe from a six to a five. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to get up to a four seed. But they are four three level talent. So yeah. watch out for them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. They're going to be a good team, and and they look pretty good against Arizona State. I think they're going to handle the Beavers. Yeah. You know, Beavers are. I mean, they're a huge upset against UCLA. Credit to them. But I just don't. They don't have the ability to then turn around and beat Oregon. Yeah, I mean, they just got beat by him by 12, I think, in the last game. So it'll be a fun game to watch. Let's get home and watch it. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it, Spence. All right, well, have a good week. Uh, This is AP and Spence, two lawyers talk college sports and sports law. We had a great guest today. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of fun things coming, Spence. Some news coming down the pipe. Let's keep it going. That's right. I like it. See you all.